Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We all learned in high school biology class that adaptation is one of the most important keys to survival for individuals and entire species. If an individual can't adapt to changes, it's an environment, it'll perish. If a species cannot adapt to changes, it's environment, it will become extinct. Successful individuals have to be able to adapt because the only thing that's said that can be constant in life, besides death and taxes, is change. Our entire lives are based on change. We're born, we go from a baby, to a toddler, to a child, to an adolescent, to an adult, to middle age, to old age, to, well, you know. But how we adapt and change and manage change is key to our success financially, emotionally, and in our relationships with others. Our guest today is someone who's focused on helping people adapt and even welcome change. Dan Kirk is a co-director of a company called the Adaptability Movement. Thanks for being here today, Dan. Thanks, Matt. And what an introduction, hey? Thanks for perfing that one up. Okay. So uh, that's my job. That's why I get paid the big (laughs) bucks here on community radio. Uh, so, Dan, you were a semi-pro football player and for about a decade, I guess. Yeah. And, and your business partner, Ben, was even drafted into the pros. Yep. Uh, and eventually, of course, like everybody, athletic, athletic careers end. Uh, and you had to make the transition there, and you decided to open a business. How, how did you decide to do that? Yeah, look, um, I mean, I, I actually started a business straight out of uni. Like, oh. I, I was a sole trader. I was, you know, um, I was operating as, a, I think, a personal trainer first and then a strength and conditioning coach. And so I, I'd sort of been familiar with, like, running a business just as a sole trader for a while. But I, I tell you what, it's a, a whole different kettle of fish to running a company, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know better than anyone else for, for those that know Matt's story. Um, so it, look, it, it's been super interesting. I I actually finished my career uh, with an injury and followed up with six surgeries um, over the course of two years. So mm. f- kind of fell into the abyss in some ways in terms of what now, who am I? Um, you know that that whole sense of identity just sort of disappeared overnight. And um, so I, I, when you talk about adapting, like I had firsthand experience beyond just the regular day to day stuff of, of, of adapting to change to actually having to overhaul my whole life and, and reframe things and try and understand at 29, 30 years of age what lay ahead of me when I couldn't walk without pain. So, mm. um, you know, when you talk about adaptation, it, it's been something that I've, I've both lived and st- studied but now sharing with other people. So, um, you know, business is, is a constant challenge, as you know. Like, you, you know, you, you're trying to put in boundaries in place to make sure you get quality time with your partner and your family. You, you're wanting to invest time and energy into building and growing something while operating as a, a bootstrapper off, off the fumes of of, um, of money. And um, it, it's constantly, very much like sport, there's always room to improve. There's always room to be a better version of yourself. And I think that, that in particular is what it makes it in, intriguing and interesting to me. 
Well, that's interesting because that that was um, maybe why I ended up in business. I never really wanted to be in business. I mean, I, I ended up in it because I had to – I mean, I, as you alluded to, I was pre- pretty broke, you know, and uh, had to support myself, and, and that was one reason. But the other reason I think is maybe I always wanted – was one of these guys that wanted to keep score and wanted to monitor progress now that I think about it because mm. – I think for guys like you and me, like in university, you can say, okay, you get, you can compare grades. Then in sports, you can compare, you know, your time in this or time in that or in football, Mm. how many tackles or whatever. And then in business, you can track it by your expansion and, and how much money you got in the bank. Yeah. I want. Do you think that's part of it? I or? think that's not not so much for me. For oh, me, okay. it, it's really about that personal growth. Okay, it's like you know, in sport, you're always looking for those. You know, people use the line one percenters, but you, you're looking for that opportunity to improve. You're looking mm-hmm. for a new way of doing something better than you did it yesterday. And and business is very much like that for me. It's like well, that's the that's. I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. Yeah, that's okay. You're the guest. I should be letting you talk. But but I, I but that's what I was trying to say is with sports and and, and with with business, you can you can count. Yeah, I guess you know what I mean. You, you, you're you, right. You, you can, can monitor. There's, me- there's measurement. Yeah. So yeah. I guess what I guess what I was trying to make the point of is, is for me the measurement is not necessarily money. Mm. Um, you know, we all need it. It's it, it you know it, it funds society, it funds our existence. Yeah. And yet, the thing that makes it really interesting to me is that it's it's that opportunity to grow myself, to be, to embrace a challenge, to welcome you know that that moment in, where you get frustrated, where you go, why isn't it working? Like we've we've uh. we've already done this. We feel like we've done this so many times already. We feel like we've already ad- adapted enough, or you know, grinded our way you know f- far enough through this. And then to have that moment where you notice that frustration and go, ooh, mm. this is the good thing. This mm. is telling me that I'm close to something. I'm close to discovering a new way of doing it because at the moment I'm being limited by what I already know. Mm. And so now I get you know, that, that opportunity to go and find out something else that can help me. And, and can make me that, that t- t- help me take that next step. Well, it's great that you can frame it that way because I remember one time my dad telling me, This is a character building experience. Yeah. And I remember thinking, Dad, I've got enough character. I've built right. enough experience. I, <laughs> been, I was like 30 or 40 or something. I was there has been a generational <laughs> change, right? And I think many of us grew up in that. It was like a, a harden up, get on with it, you know, mm. hold on, get through. Life's hard. You've got to be, you know, harder in return or something. Or you get knocked down seven times, get up eight. And look, those things—they're they're honourable. They're you know, they're, they're badge of honour stuff though. Like they're really about just mm. you know, um, I I work an eighty-hour week and and therefore I must be a good person. It's mm. like well. Actually, like, what if you worked a 40-hour week and you spent, you know, the other 40 hours with more quality time with your family or your partner? Mm. Like, how would that enrich your life? Could, could we achieve that by building better systems, by, you know, being, setting some, some boundaries around what we do? So, um, for me, balance is, is key. Like, you know, we bring our best when we're in balance. We bring our best when we self-care and we look after ourselves. Mm. And so, it's not, ju- it's not a selfish thing because it's, it's doing what you need to do. It's, it's meeting your own needs so that you can bring your best and give freely to other people unconditionally without expectation of anything in return. Mm. Well, that kind of segues into your podcast, which I was going to talk about later, sure. but it was such a great segue that I have to bring it up. It's called Resilience Sucks. It is, yeah. Which, uh, you know, I mean, I, uh, I I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. Can you talk a little bit about that? So but before anyone gets too offended, Resilience Sucks the life out of you. That, that's, okay. the, um, that's the, I guess, the 
um, insinuation with that. And um, look, it's not to poo-poo resilience. I think everyone needs their resilience reserves. Mm-hmm. What it is to do is that people are searching for that at the moment. They've been pretty much slammed with it, to be honest, like from, you know, from bosses, from government, from you know, all sorts of different angles around that we just have to be more resilient. And that's what will get us through. That's, that's mm. what will get us back mm. to normal kind of mm. thing, right? Mm. And my, my issue with resilience is it's very much a – it is. It's an energetic reserve. So it's a thing that you use when you've just been impacted by a trauma or a challenge and you haven't quite got your feet yet. You're not quite stable. So it's like where to from here, right? So the first thing we need to do is we need to get our balance back. Right? And then from there, we need to work out, okay, do I want to stay here? Do I want to, do I want to keep sort of grinding? Do I want to keep sort of punching the wall and, or you know, trying to headbutt my way through a situation? Or do I want to move towards something? Do I want to stop trying to escape this situation? And do I want to start creating something again? Because we're all co-creators in our own life. Absolutely, things happen throughout the day that we might not anticipate or control. But what are the things that we can what are the things that we can in- tune our focus to that allow us to create the existence that we want, something exciting, something stimulating that we're moving towards rather than constantly trying to escape things in life? Because that's, to me, that's what resilience is. So then we, we move this spectrum. So we, we move from resilience to perseverance, which is like, okay, I've, I've got something I want to work towards now, but it's very narrowly focused. It's, it's got a lot of constraints around it, and it still feels a bit hard. So, and then we introduce adaptability and that's where life gets really exciting to me because the earlier we can introduce this, the more hope, the more enthusiasm, the more opportunity. And that's where we really go about being the architect of our own life, the author of our own story. That's, that's what, to me, it's all about. That, where people feel, you talked about personal responsibility before in, in, the, um, in the intro. And I, I think a lot of people have seen that as a burden. It's not. It's a freedom. Absolutely. That's, that's the thing I really try to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just, I just try to impress that upon people, and they don't. You know, a lot of them don't get it. I mean, taking responsibility is to liberate you, not to Correct. tie so you down. We've been conditioned differently. We've been because in a system which you become dependent on, then there's, they can influence you. Others are, are, are um, dictating to you how you need to live your life, what you need to do to participate in society. When you acknowledge that there's, there's opportunity for you to take responsibility in all manner of different areas of your life, and that, like you said, it's empowering mm. because then you go, oh, I don't have to do that thing that I've been told to do or that I've been expected to do. I don't have to feel responsibility to someone else who actually doesn't really care about me. Mm. I'll do this the way I want to do it in a mm. way that is creating um, abundance and wellness for both me, my family, and those around me, my community. Mm. It's it, it it just makes sense. And would you rather be a victim or a master of your own destiny? I Correct. mean, think about. It. I mean, that's why as business owners, and I'm going off on a tangent here, mm. but as business owners, why do we want to have our own business? Because yeah. we would rather be masters or mistresses of our own destiny mm. than have somebody else decide yeah. when we get fired. Yeah, you know, yeah. or how much money we're worth. Agreed. But, but uh, I think I, I, we're going to have to take a quick break. The, the stuff you're doing is so awesome, <laughs> though. I just want to say that. Thanks, and, and, and I just want to uh, reinforce here. I, I want to recap the one thing you said, and hopefully I'm recapping this right. If I'm wrong, correct me. Okay? But basically what, what I hear you saying is resilience and perseverance is step one. Mm. Only step. Very important, mm. but it's step one. You've got to get up. But then you've got to make you've got to change yeah. to get to to get where you want to get. Correct. So we're going to hear more words of wisdom from Dan Kirk and the some and hear about the cool programs that he's uh, doing with his business and maybe even how you too can get involved in them. Fantastic. Right after this. 
You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Dan Kirk, ex-AFL semi-pro player and co-director of a company called the Adaptability Movement. Uh, Dan, can you tell me the bedrock, the underlying um, principle that the Adaptability Movement Corporation, or is it say corporation <laughs> or company, is like based on? I like business or organization or anyway. Um, for, for, look, we're out there to enhance well-being and to optimize performance. So you know whether that's in your school, club, you know business, that's that's our modus operandi. So. Um, you know, we do that through programs. So we run, for example, adaptable sports academies. We're, we're running those in 10 clubs across Adelaide at the moment in, in year two. Um, we've got another three that we're sort of hoping to sort of um, seal that and get started with them as well. So um, that, that's been exciting. It's about supporting um, those grassroots clubs to be able to, you know, grow their, their youth programs, to be able to develop, you know, tomorrow's leaders in their senior programs, but to also support kids in a way that, that helps them become self-sufficient, that helps them become, you know, architects of their own, own destiny. So um, that's been awesome because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the, the, the challenges that, that young people have had over the last three years with all the constraints that we've had around, you know, social distancing and not being able to go to school and not being able to participate in sports. So it's been a, a real privilege to be able to guide people through a process of helping them be the architect of their own future. So let's pretend uh, you're teaching a sports academy at the mm. school I'm going to. Sure. Okay. And I'm 17 again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, thanks for laughing at the thought of me as a seventeen-year-old. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, so, what would I learn, and what would it be like if you were doing this academy at our school? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I guess the thing that's different about what we do is everything is practical and experiential. So, we come from a sports performance background, both as athletes and coaches. Um, we've obviously done the academic side of um, personal development and stuff as well, but. Um, so, if you, you come into our academy, um, you there'll be physical. Um, activity but so every, all of our teaching is done through movement so rather than you know sitting it down and you've got a booklet in front of you and um, you've got to fill it out kind of thing and we're going to teach you you know uh, self-awareness or we're going to uh, teach you mindfulness but we're going to you know explain it academically we're going to go and do an activity and we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to explore the activity we're going to have a bit of fun playing around it's gamified and then we'll reflect on it afterwards and we'll, we'll talk about what we noticed and what we learned and you know about um we'll, we'll um, try and understand who's in our support network. Who can we look to for accountability, for mentorship? Um, we'll, yeah, all, all manner of different things around habits, um, habit building, around planning, around um, just again, how do you how do you create the life that you want? So, and and have you, if you've not got these tools from somewhere else or someone else to try to teach them to you, um, you know, did it work? Are you utilizing them now? Because I'll give you I'll give you one good, really good example. I think it's a good example is um, meditation and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Like if you talk to most parents, oh, my my child, I wouldn't be able to do that. They wouldn't be able to sit still for five minutes. Mm. Right? It's re- really dismissive. Um, a lot of kids have been introduced to this in school, but it's been done in quite a um, a compliant way. Like it's like we have to do this for five minutes at the beginning of every lesson, right? Now, for anyone that that is comfortable um, or, or has done a lot of this sort of stuff before, you'll know that it's you know it has to be open. It has to be an element of freedom in the way that you explore whether you're meditating. Um, and there's all sorts of different ways of meditating. We're not talking about being cross-legged, you know, straight-spined and um, you know breathing to to a strict rhythm. Like it, it could be that, but it could be all manner of other things as well. So we had an experience with a school where um, one of the young fellows we we came to the the session within the program. And there was there was visible fear in this child. Like so, we're talking about sort of high school students here, and 
Um, it's not the first time that I've encountered that. You know, we worked with the, the age group a lot, and we're often told that it's you know it's it's difficult to work with him, and, and I disagree because mm-hmm. I've had enough experiences now where I've been able to cut through. And so this this fellow he explained how. Um, they had to do it for five minutes at the beginning of a class and they'd done that and, he, and it, there was fear in him like it was physical discomfort where he was retreating um, so we, we spent 40 odd minutes priming the group for that, exploring what, what their experience was with mindfulness and meditation around you know how, how they connect with it what, what are, what's their idea of it if they've never done it before and when we got to the session, we, we did the session, and this child was still, he was still holding some physical sort of um, resistance. I was like, oh, man, maybe I missed him. Like we had this great response from everyone else, and it looked like it was a reasonable response for him, but I just I really felt for him. And we got to the end of our 10-week program, and uh, we, we go through a process where we you know, seek feedback and review, and we were asking around, you know, what was your favorite session? And now in, in this program, we've done, you know, speed and agility, we've done power and performance, we've done all these exciting, you know, kind of sexy um, sessions that kids love. Mm-hmm. And 30% of the class put their hand up and said it was the meditation and mindfulness session. And I was floored. Mm. Like, it just constantly astounds me at how many people really value that stuff. Because for young people, it's often the first time that they've stopped. Because when they go out with their friends and they go to the shopping center or they go to the park, they, they're tied to their devices. And so someone goes to the toilet and the other person's pulling out their device so they don't look like they're a lo- loser or a loner. Mm. That, that's, that's the perception. That's the, the, you know, the feeling. Or because they just can't be with themselves. They need to distract their mind because there's so much nervous energy. Mm. So to know that you can intervene on that, you can, you can actually give a child or a young person an experience of being able to stop and find quiet and feel, find peace to emotionally ground themselves, man, that is so rewarding as a job. Huh. Well, you know, that that's interesting because I, I know I read years and years ago, uh, I haven't had to deal with this myself, but uh, in prison, the, the worst punishment is solitary. Because mm. if they have to be alone with themselves, with nothing to do, and just their thoughts, that's what they find the hardest. It's, I mean, do you think yeah. that's a that's a... Just that segment of I think the, population, or is that normal? Uh, well, I don't want to say normal people, mm, but you know what I mean. Non, uh, you know, incarcerated people. Is that an issue for them too? It's just hard to yeah. let your mind stop because you're afraid where it's going to go. I think right now in life there is so many distractions. You think about how many notifications are pinging off and vibrating on your phone and on your iPads and on your, you know, people are watching Netflix and. There's, there's constant distraction around us to, to escape at how we feel, to escape like, you know, how we feel and, and who, how connected we feel with ourselves and with others. And so, yeah, I, I agree. At first, it, might, it, it could be really confronting. So you've got to have the right person being able to guide you through that experience, being able to disarm that feeling of fear to be able to open yourself up to exploration. Mm. And, you know, it's very different in, in you know, talking about prison. Like, that's, mm. that's a very um, suffocating environment in terms of, like, you, you know, you're being punished, you're, you know, you're not getting daylight, you're not getting fresh air, you're not connecting with the earth, you're not connecting with others. So that's, that's different. But, you know, the premise is that, yeah, like, if you, if you do this in the wrong way, it could be quite confronting, it could be quite challenging, you might not want to go there. And a lot of people don't. Mm. A lot of people run away from this for their whole lives. You know, um, we don't just work with kids, and, and when we see people in their, you know, much older, all the way up to, we worked with people up into their seventies, and you know, the, some people are still living that. But you can change it, and you can intervene at any time. You just need to have the right environment and and the right sort of strategy for for going about that. You know, to acknowledge the individual's experience to be able to tailor it to them. Mm. Uh, now, in one of these academies, uh, I, I guess you do. 
you you'll take one team you'll break them into teams you'll have one team and versus another team and sometimes <laughs> you'll you'll like have different scenarios it's, and yeah tell tell us a little bit about cool. that i know sometimes you'll like vary some rules and throw some curveballs yeah. at them tell us a little bit about that and what they can learn from those kind of experiences so one of the cool um strategies i learned from sport and and being around some very very clever people and the way they fast track development is a strategy called constraint-led learning mm-hmm. now constraint-led learning is um to simplify it for for people that haven't heard that before it's basically like introduced chaos mm-hmm. right in in a planned way though so mm-hmm. that, it sounds counterintuitive but so what we do is we like i said we do things through movement and experience so we, we might we set up a small-sided game we set up a, you know like a, a field or a court we might go six on six and then we start a game and we and we make it pretty easy to start off with it you know you've got your teams you've got your colors whatever we got you know tennis ball frisbee whatever we're using and there's a sense of fairness right about how we go about it Mm-hmm. And then we stop and reflect, and then we start to introduce a little bit of chaos. Okay, now both teams have got a rule that feels um, constraining, something that feels like, oh, well, now I can't use my dominant hand, or now I've, I can only hold on to it for two seconds, right? And so then there's, there's a little bit of chaos. As you start to see people's fear response or their their threat response, right? So you know the the fight, the fight, or the freeze, and how that impacts the rest of their team. And then once we get them through that and we reflect on that, then we start to introduce a little bit more of a challenge. We go, actually, you know what? You guys have got this rule, but these guys have got that rule. And so then that's, like you said, that sense of fairness. And this is a big one for people, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. if you feel like you've been um, wrong, wrong done by, like that someone's done you wrong or they, the, the, the rules aren't fair and it's like, you know, you, you just want to throw your hands up and you go, screw this, right? How does that serve you? Is right. that working for you? No. What does it cost you, more importantly? Correct. So it's important to experience that. It's important to introduce that into an experience so that we can we can test it. We can we can you know plan for it. We can become aware of it so that when it presents itself, instead of being a slave to our emotions, instead of you know defaulting back to that fight, flight, or freeze without understanding if it's useful or not, we can ground ourselves quickly and go, ah, caught you. Now how how do I want to respond? You know, it, 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 it's a fun experience. It's probably, I'm probably not doing it justice just articulating it, but, you know, people enjoy it. Like, Well, yeah, yeah I, I think that's great. Like, you have one team that's got one rule, then you give the other team a rule that's unfair, yeah. you know, that's the, the other, a, a disadvantage the other team doesn't have, and they have to deal with it. Yeah. And, I, and as you were telling me this story, I, I, was, I just remembered one of the times my mother was most angry with me, okay? <laughs> okay. There's and, a fair response. <laughs> and I, I don't remember what it was. But I said, Mom, that's not fair. Mm. And I was like nine or ten. And this is one of, the, one, of the le- one of the biggest lessons I remember my mom teaching me. She went, what? When did I teach you life was fair? <laughs> if you think life's going to be fair, you're never going to get anywhere. <laughs> and and I, I still remember that. I mean, and I think that, you know, that's a lesson that a lot of us are missing. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's not fair. So what? Move uh, on. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, you've got to, you've got to succeed. You've got to do what you've got to do anyway. Mm. And maybe you don't. Maybe you've got an obstacle somebody else doesn't, but they probably got obstacles you don't. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, one thing we, I guess, one big thing about adaptability is we we talk about being a great responder. Mm. So we talked about being a co-creator of life, and you can't control everything, and you're not going to be able to plan for everything throughout the day. But what you can plan for is being a great responder. Mm. So how do you want to respond to a, a situation? How do you want to be in that optimal state to be able to choose the path that suits the situation best? You know, so it's serving you and others, 
or do you want to just default back to saying, well, it's someone else's fault because they did this to me? Wow. So being That's a great, great responder, you know, we think, when we think about responders, we think about, you know, ambulance staff. Yeah, and emergency. yeah, yeah. No, it's awesome because you're making yourself savers. a hero. I was just thinking about yeah, that. And it's like, I'm a first responder, great responder. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You so feel like you should like, get a medal if you're a great responder. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But, you know, it, it's useful to you. you know, yeah. Get away from this good, bad, like, you know, them versus me and just go, well, is this useful to me or is it not? Is it helpful or not? Mm. It, it disarms the emotion in the situation. You know, how quickly can you just, you know, bring yourself back down, notice that that emotional arousal and be able to sort of ground that to be able to go, this is how the way I want to respond. I had this conversation in school office today. I was out talking to a, um, a school about our Greater Me program. So it's an intervention and personal development program for children that are sort of disengaged, disaffected. And I was fortunate enough to be sitting in the waiting room and there was a student who'd been banished there waiting for his intervention or punishment, right? Uh-huh. I started talking to him, started right. asking him questions. Now, I won't give away the school or the, or the, you know, the student's name, but it, it was really interesting. He was so open. He was so interested that, that someone was paying attention to him, that was asking about his experience. And one of the things that he said is like um, that he used good and bad a lot, which, like I said, we try and move away from that because it, it's self-shaming and that doesn't help anyone. Um, but he also talked about he didn't respond the way he wanted to. I was like, oh, beautiful, segue. And so I started to explain to him about that, you know, emotions and, and how sometimes, you know, they, we sort of are a slave to them and that we, we let them dictate our behavior and how there's actually an opportunity to intervene on that and how, you know, if, you want to, if that's the way you want to act, well, first of all, you need to notice when this other feeling is present so you can decide if that's useful or not. And if it's not useful, then, like, get rid of it. Mm. Like, you know, move it on because it's, it serves no purpose in your life now. And so then, but if it is, well, then how do we use it? Like if, if there's a reason to be angry or threatened or, or fearful, well, then that could be useful. But if it's not, well, then how do we want to respond? Mm. So um, it, was, it was really cool. And I, I think that the, uh, the person I was there to see was quite surprised to see me engaging with this disaffected student when they arrived. It, he's like, my job's done. I'm going home early. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're going to be back with more words of wisdom from Dan Kirk. And other uh, first responders right after this. (laughs) Great responders. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. We're back with Dan Kirk, co-director of the Adaptability Movement. And... In the beginning, you talked a little bit about adaptability, and then we kind of veered off into some other <laughs> areas, which were all great, by the way. Um, but what do you think adaptability is, and what do you think how does it how does it tie into to handling today's issues of depression mm. and anxiety and yeah. all these other things you're hearing about? Uh, so, like again, so adaptability is is that. Um, it's that mindset that says more is possible, that there's opportunity in change. Um, and that's not to be a futurist because I'm probably moving in the opposite direction to society at the moment. It's like how simple can life be? How mm. how little can we be on devices and how much more can we be with people? Mm. Um, but what it is, it's, a, it's about whatever situation you find yourself in. We talked about being a great responder. It's like how quickly can you disarm yourself from – um, you know, the fear, the unfairness, the the anxiety, the the stress, whatever it is, to then be able to identify opportunities to go. Okay, what is it that I? What do I have? What do I need? 
and and what am I moving towards? So to to me, that just rest, it restores hope. It restores opportunity. Um, it's choosing out of, of of hope, opportunity, and love rather than out of out of fear. Mm. So um, that's the big difference for me. And to, and to me, that addresses that fundamental cause of. You know, anxiety is generally a fear about the future. It's it's a fear of not um, being capable enough, not being able to deal with something. Um, to, it, again, it comes down to not having met a, a fundamental, basic need in your in your life. So, not having self care or being self aware to be able to address that. Depression is generally regret. It's generally sort of you know something past focused. Uh, you know, not always. Like I'm not professing to be a psychologist, but um, you know, I've participated you know in that environment and we've done studies in that environment, but. Um, you know, so depression is something that, that you, you're you're attached to. You're not able to let go of. Um, and th- th- look, this isn't to diminish anyone's experience. We've all, I, I imagine, like I'm, I've certainly experienced a, a wave and a whole range of emotions and and anxiety and depression are things that that have definitely affected me throughout my life. But what I've what I've sort of learned to understand is that when we have those tools of adaptability, we, when you have your toolkit, which is something that we teach, you, you don't sort of find yourself spending too much time in those things. You, you're very firmly fixed in your in the present because you have something to move towards. But that doesn't mean that you're always focused on that. It just means that you now have a clear direction, a, a clear purpose in what you're doing, um, and that that feels reassuring. Like it feels like you know there's a sense of calmness within that because you feel like hey. You feel like you know you've got the tools to be able to cope with any situation you find yourselves in, um, and you know just take that back to my own family. We use that, utilize that all the time. When Kimmy and I are feeling um, threatened uh, by a situation or by a change in um, our environment, that could be something that's affecting the business or something that's affecting the family. It's like reminding ourselves that we're we're great responders and that we have the tools to be able to um, adapt and. And to be able to find the opportunity situation no matter what happens. So rather than this fear-based environment, we're talking off air about sort of media and how a lot of it is fueled by by mm. fear and by scarcity, mm. right? So, you know, rather than operating from fear and scarcity, let's let's operate from abundance and hope. Let's move towards that. Mm. Mm. So what uh – You've mentioned that you provide a toolkit for people, okay, <laughs> yeah. for in adaptability. So what are some of those? T- well, first of all, tell us about how people that might be listening can utilize your services either in a school or a club or maybe even a corporate environment. Tell sure. us about that. And then tell us a little bit about some of the tools that you uh, teach or help them develop. Sure. So, um, a few different ways. So, you can you can on your podcast favorite podcast platform go and find us. Resilient sucks. Um, that's our podcast. Um, we've done season one. Season one just about being talking to people and exploring their story. You know, um, stories of authenticity. So, um, you know, Mark's been on that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and then you can go to the adaptabilitymovement That's our website. That'll give you some details about our adaptable sports academies. So that's for clubs and sports programs within schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find out a little bit about the corporate stuff where we do keynote speeches and we do programs um, that are adapted to the workplace so working with teams and organizations that's the that's the overarching sort of principle is that we enhance well-being and performance and we work with teams and organizations to do that and it just you know that could be a sports club or a school or it could be you know a business or an organization so um, so there's that and then we, we also do um, something under a different brand so we come coming from a place of abundance we we bought in um, or we collaborated with another business called Driven From Within to create Greater Me, which is a, a program specifically an intervention and personal development program for disengaged school kids. So, um, you know, there, there's that as well, which is, is able to sort of serve people. 
Um, and I've already forgotten what the segue was, the, the second question what, you asked. What tools are you actually tools, you know, yes. helping people develop right. so, in, the, in, in the adaptability space? So the first thing we normally look at is we, we talk um, about uh, regeneration because a lot of people are tapped out. So they, they, they've sort of been grinding. They've been in this state of resilience for too long. So we need to learn that art of self-care. We need to learn, you know, what what we actually need and how to meet those needs. Um, so we develop a kind of a, a self sufficiency and self awareness through that process. Um, we talk a lot about um, habit building. Um, so we do like a habits audit to look at sort of, you know, a lot of people are doing a lot of good stuff in their life, but they're undermining it. Mm. So rather than this sort of idea of gross good habits are supposed to be the dictator or, or um, provide you the outcome you're seeking, we look at like a net effect. So if you're doing a lot of great stuff, but then doing some neutral and some unhelpful stuff, well, then that's going to that's gonna come at a cost because that's going to reduce your impact. So that's, you know, what we do with that. Um, you know, we do some scheduling and planning stuff. Where we look at how do you sort of create balance within your life? How do you, you know, feel connection with yourself, with others? You know, how do you give your best in all different areas of your life? Um, so, yeah, and, and how to be a great responder, like how to... Um, you know, respond the way you want rather than the way that you reacted. Um, so there's, there's all those sorts of things. And, and we generally do it in kind of a chronological order. So we, we've tried to, through experience, we've obviously noticed the way that people um, respond to things best. And so we try and do it in a way where we build you up to that point. So we, yes, we talked about introducing chaos at different points within it, but it's a controlled chaos and it's done in a supportive way. Um, and we want you to know who your support network is. We want to know who you can rely on for honest f- feedback, you know, how to seek out mentors, how to just, you know, continue to evolve yourself into the person that you, you really want to be and to be able to express yourself in the way you would like to in life rather than just the way that you feel like you're constrained to. Mm. Mm. And how, how important do you think it is for them to find a mentor? You mentioned that. Mentors are critical. Like we spoke off air about um, the business coaching that you do, and um, you know we've we've definitely had uh, mentors that we've sought out both in sport and and business, and um, we had a really great chat about some different things that that even we could implement in our business. We're we're still in the early stages. I mean, we're four years in, into into business as a company. Forget about the the sole trader stuff. Like things have changed since then. Um, so it, yeah, it's critical. Yeah. Mm. Great. Well, we're going to be back with Dan Kirk in just a little bit, and he's going to give us some final words of wisdom, talk to us about what he's most passionate about, and uh, you're going to love every minute of it. Guarantee it. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Well, the masses have spoken. Don't forget... We're going to be back with Jamie and Lee this Sunday at 7 p.m. where they talk all things motorsport with Negative Canva. Make sure you don't miss out. We're back here, though, right now, not 7 p.m. Sunday, but close to 7 p.m. Monday with Dan Kirk, uh, co-director of the adaptability uh, adaptability movement. Uh, Dan, can you tell us 
uh, a little bit again about how to contact because we talked about so many great sure. things. I'm sure the listeners, there's some out there that want to sure. be able to utilize your services. Can you tell us how they can contact you? Yeah. So podcast resilient sucks. You can find that on all your podcast platforms like you know, Apple and Google and Spotify and the rest of it. Uh, we are at the adaptability movement world. So the adaptability movement world is the web address, and then you can find us all over you know social media, the the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the YouTubes of the world. Yep. All right, and. Can can you tell us what you're most passionate about right now, you and Ben? Uh, look, I think it's always been the same thing. It's that connection with yourself and connection with others. It's it's about seeking out kind of you know ad- adventure and and discovering things about yourself and and sharing it with other people. So that that's us. Like you know, it's just trying to help other people achieve that for themselves as well. And if you had, this is the last question. <laughs> okay, if you had uh, one thing. That you could, one idea that you could impress on people's minds, you could lay hands upon them, and this becomes part of who they are. What what would you? What wisdom would you impart? Wow, that is that is like meaning of life stuff, isn't it? Um, I think just to know that that it's possible, like, and to have the conviction to explore it. So. You know, to me, we talk about sort of not being confident or not having any self-belief and stuff. And I think you need to get clear about what it is that you care about and what you stand for, and then you need to pursue it. And it can be that simple. And so everything we do is we finish off, we, we call it an adaptability action plan. It's two steps. And it's like, what's the, what's the first small step you can take? And then what's a leap of courage? What's, 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 what is that big picture stuff you can follow and, and just move towards that. So it's, it's trying to make it really simple for people. We don't need 12-stage copyrighted, you know, um, intellectually proprietized plans. We just need to make it simple so that people can pursue something that they want um, and, and feel like, you know, they're capable. So that's our job in the world, I think, is to help people on their own journey and to, to you know, be the catalyst for that self-exploration of what's possible. All right. Well, I want to thank you for being here today, Dan. I, I think the audience got stacks out of it. And uh, if you like the show today, please like us on Facebook or LinkedIn. I want to thank Mark Aston for paneling for us today. And most of all, I want to thank all of you for listening. Tune in next week on Monday at 6 p.m. where our guest will be a man who's journeyed across three continents, who was a child during the London Blitz and survived 67 bombings, was a rifleman in the King's Royal Rifle Corps, and after he emigrated to Australia, was a recipient of the Star of Courage for outstanding bravery in a civilian rescue, and has worked very closely with the rural Aboriginal community under difficult conditions. As always, though, I'll leave you with a brief inspirational message. There's a story about a young lady who's very upset with some changes in her life. She's really, really struggling, and she was complaining and complaining and complaining to her father. After listening for a while, her father said, Honey, it's time to start making dinner. Come on with me to the kitchen. So they go into the kitchen, and he gets out three pots. He fills them with water, puts them on the stove, and brings them all to a boil. Well, in the first pot he puts a bunch of boiling water, he puts a bunch of potatoes. In the second pot, he puts in a bunch of eggs. And in the third and final pot of boiling water, he puts in some coffee beans. Well, time goes by and he turns off the stove and the water stops boiling. He pulls the pots off the stove with the potatoes and the eggs and the coffee. And he says, honey, change in adversity is 
in life is something we all have to deal with. And you have a choice. You can be like this potato that goes into the hot water hard and tough and firm. But when it comes out of the hot water, it's soft and maybe even broken and crushed. Or you could be like this egg. You could go into the hot water delicate. And when you come out of the hot water, you come out hard. Or you can be like these coffee beans, where you get put into the hot water and you change and adapt both yourself and your situation and even maybe the world around you. You can create or become something that's completely unique and way better than when you were when you went into the hot water in the first place. So we all need to keep in mind that when it comes to adversity, that there are three different kinds of people. There's the kind of person that's going, that's going to become hard and bitter when faced with adversity and change. Then there's the kind of person that's going to be broken or made soft by adversity or change. And then they're the kinds of people that are going to take the adversity and change and make it into something better than they had before. My question to you, as it is to his daughter, was which one are you?